All right, friends. Hey, if you want to make your <coughs> if you want to make your way back to your chairs, that would be great. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Grab your seats right around you. Uh, so fun. I am so excited. Just I said this in the first service, and I'll say it again. Hey, if you have ever, 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 ever thought about volunteering in the children's ministry, now is not the time to do it. We do not need volunteers in the children's ministry. But if you are interested in changing the lives and being entrusted in discipling this generation of followers of Jesus, we want you to serve in the children's ministry. We are really prioritizing. We want to build on what's in place. We want the best of the best of the best working with your kids and my kids. We want that for our children's ministry. We want that for our students' ministry. We don't want volunteers. Listen, there's lots of great first steps into the community, but we want people that love kids that somehow think, well, that kid way over there on the other side of the room, somehow they're a part of this community, and that means they somehow belong to me, and I guess it's my responsibility to help raise them up. If that is you, I want you to invite you to go meet Haley after service as she is kind of rebuilding and uh, building her team around her for the children's ministry. Could not be more excited about that. I'm also really excited just to tell you right now, I'm praying for you. <laughs> like I've been praying for this day for a long, long time. And I'm praying that this year would be the greatest year of your life, right? No, no, for real. I'm like really praying. That's not cliche. I'm praying that this would be the greatest year of your life. Why in the world would I actually not pray that? Why would I not want you to say, why would I not want for me to say, God, it's all yours. This whole year ahead of us belongs to you and I want all that you have in store for me. Why would you not pray that? Listen, I also know that many of us in here come with friends and family or guests or whatever, and I know that not everyone's a follower of Jesus yet. And I'm praying for you too. <laughs> I'm praying, honestly, that this would be the year that you look back at 2020 and you say, holy cow, in 2020, I met Jesus in a real and personable way and my life forever changed because he became real to me in a way that he never had. Why would I not pray that for us this morning, right? As a church, I'm praying that honestly, that the spirit would get a place hold of us in such a way that this place would just be moved by the presence of God in such a way that the only thing that we can say is, but God. <laughs> like, but God did something amazing and I can't even, I mean, can't, I can't even begin to wrap my words, uh, words around it, but God did something powerful in the life of the, chur of the church. And my love grew in such depth that it was only rivaled by how wide my arms were thrown around my neighbor's. That's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying, honestly, that what you and I experienced on Christmas Eve with the packed house would be normal every single Sunday around here. Not because I care about just filling up rooms, but because I want people to meet the greatest father, the greatest king, the greatest lord, the greatest savior, the greatest rescuer the world has ever known. Why would I not pray that for you and for us as a community. I do it every year. Every year I set aside a little bit of time at the beginning, kind of towards the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, to set and to pray and to discern and to kind of listen to what God is up to. And my heart is always, God, is there anything that you have in store for me this year? Like, is there, is there anything, God, that maybe I need to like move more in? And so I do that for myself. I do that for my family. Like, God, are there things that we need to be more focused in on and prayerful about with my kids, with my wife? And I do that for us as a community as, as well. And let me be real honest. Five days in, 
January John is pretty dang awesome. He's pretty dang awesome. He's killing it five days in. January John is pretty awesome. But you know who's not great? July John. July John is not so great because about six months later, you know what's going to happen? It's all going downhill, right? And so we start this time of year every time. I mean, if you're kind of like me and dream about potentials and hopefulness and what's, what the year might have in store, we start off real excited with all this excitement and anticipation for possibility, and somewhere down the road, it just kind of crashes and burns. I actually looked it up. I looked up how many of us that set resolutions, that kind of discern, that vision, that plan, that prepare about taking steps in the new year, how many of us actually keep those for a whole entire year? Do you know what the percentage is? Just guess. Just guess. Nine percent of us, right? It's pretty horrible, right? That only nine percent of us, we start this year with hopefulness and great anticipation and all of these things and all of a sudden it crashes and burns. Why is that? Why is that that so few of us hold strong for a full entire year? Is it because you don't know how to make a plan? I don't think that's true. Is it because uh, you don't have vision for your life? Well, I don't think that's true either. Is it because you don't, you're not trying hard enough and you're not grit, uh, pulling up your bootstraps and have enough grit? No, I don't even think it's that either. I think it's actually something so much simpler than that. And maybe more profound. And it boils down to one key word. Now, do you guys have a favorite chair in your house? <laughs> like that chair that you go to, oh, like when the day has been long, this is not my chair. Uh, but it looks, you know, it doesn't even look like my chair. But if, do you have that chair in your house where like you go at the end of the day and like everything kind of goes numb around you? <laughs> Like, maybe it's a Barker lounge. Does anybody have the Barker lounge? <laughs> like, I used to have a chair in my house, and it got moved to the, to the office room, and I'm like, what happened? You know, I used to be king around my house, you know? And uh, it got just slowly moved out. And when I'm in this chair in my house, I'm comfortable, and I'm relaxed, and I'm not thinking about much. The kids be crazy. They're fighting the dogs, whatever, running around. But I'm good, <laughs> Like I'm real good when I'm in my chair at the end of the day and I've got the TV on and it's just my time to relax. But there's another room in my house. <laughs> there's another room, well, it's not actually in my house, but it's the, the garage. Now in the garage, we built a little kind of CrossFit gym in there. We got some bumper plates, we got some kettlebells and we got some pull-up things and we have all this, the shenanigans and I kind of get our workout done. And... uh it's a place that's actually, I don't like going. It's a place that's uncomfortable. It's a place where um, I go to do a lot of hard work and try to stay healthy. Now, I want you to think about something just with me for a second. These are very different places, aren't they? One place over here, you're good. You're not being challenged. You get to sit back and relax Take it real easy. And the only thing that honestly is going to get bigger in this place is probably your belly, right? But there's another place in the house where you go to do the work. And uh, don't get mad, Steve Mackey, you better look over here. 
So, so look, look at this place. This place is the place you go to build the muscle. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. I saw you. So that's, that's the place that I don't like going. Why? It's pretty uncomfortable. I'm never going to be like in a good place. I'm always going to be pushed. I'm always going to be challenged. I'm always going to be trying new things. But here's the thing. Here's the question for you. Where do you get healthy? Where do you get healthy? Now, if you take this and you take this picture and you shift it over to you and your relationship with Christ, you and your relationship with Jesus, how many of us, honestly, love this place? I'm good. Don't, don't push me. Don't challenge me. I'm comfortable. I don't really want to try new things. I don't want to sweat. Like, I'm good when I'm, in my, when I'm in my comfortable place. How many of us really, in our, in our journey with Jesus, long for this? I'm gonna be uncomfortable. I'm gonna be stretched. I'm gonna do things I've never done before. I'm gonna try things. I'm gonna fail. It's gonna be hard, but it's the place I'm gonna really get healthy. Why I think so many of us actually come down to about 9% a year what gets you off of your bottom and out of the chair is one simple word. And that simple word is yes. Yes. There's one little word has the potential to unlock and open doors in your life in a way that you have never experienced before. This word can unlock really God's potential for you and for your life. Think about just what you said yes to this morning. You said yes to setting an alarm to get up in the morning. You said yes to turning off the alarm in the morning. You said left yes to dragging your kids out of bed. You said yes to a lot of different things. And yes has the power to transform you. If you go on Amazon right now, you can literally read thousands and thousands of books about the power of your yes. If you, I don't know if you like the TED's talks, but I love to watch the TED talks. I think they're super fascinating. If you go and you watch TED talks, there are hundreds and hundreds of hours on the power of your yes. Now, here's what I wanna, I want us to lean into this morning. Of all of the yeses that you could say yes to now, this time of year, with the whole year ahead of us, there is nothing, nothing more important than God getting your first yes. God getting your first yes has the potential to open doors in your life in a way that you've never experienced before. It has the power to unlock things that you actually crave for, that you long for in your life. The power of yes, y'all, it will change everything. Now, out of all of the yeses you can say yes to this year, yes, I'm gonna get in shape and I'm gonna lose that extra 10, 15 pounds, whatever, great. Hey, is this the year that you should like get out of debt and cut up those blood-sucking credit cards? Yeah, you should probably do that. That's a great idea. You should have done it a long time ago. Like, of all the yeses, should you save for, like, retirement? Should you save for a vacation? For all of your yeses, there is not another yes that you can put on the table that matters more than your yes to God. To give God your first and best 
yes. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go over to Luke chapter 14. And there's a story that Jesus tells that talks about the potential and really what happens when you give God our yes. When we put our yes on the table, what God is able to do with it. And so uh, as you're turning there, it's not going to be up on the screens this morning. Grab your Bibles or go to the Bible app. It's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the back third of your Bible. If you have the Bible app, you can click on the Bible app. You can click on events. And as soon as you click on events, Riverside will pop up. And you can follow along with all of the scriptures and my notes up there. And that will be a great resource for you as well. And so Luke chapter 14 is the story of Jesus eating dinner with the Pharisee. And if you know much about the the life of Jesus and kind of his interaction with the group called the Pharisees, you know that the Pharisees were always frustrated with Jesus, but also at the same time fascinated with him. They drove him nuts as much as they were intrigued by him. They continually tried to box him in a corner, and yet also it was something that they could never get their arms around. And so picture this dualistic relationship of frustration and fascinating, excuse me, fascination with this man called Jesus. And yet our story will pick up with Jesus sitting down to eat a meal with, some, with a group of people that he utterly disagrees with. Now, if that doesn't preach right there, just alone in our time and in our culture where people can't even talk to each other, where people can't even have conversations about, with each other because we're on such opposite ends of the spectrum, Jesus teaches us something here about holding the tension together in community and what, is pot- what potential happens when we realize that the body is pretty diverse. And so it's a beautiful story. And so... Uh, Luke, Luke 14, we're going to start down in verse 16, and I'll read it to you. It says right here, uh, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. And so y'all, you have to get that Jesus is brilliant. I mean, he's brilliant right here. Jesus takes seemingly very simple things and he brings deep revelation from seemingly very simple everyday object, object things. And so he's at a dinner party with a bunch of Pharisees and he says this, imagine a dinner. And where are they at? They're eating dinner. And so he says, imagine this dinner, imagine a banquet, if you will. Now, the type of banquet that Jesus is talking about here is um, not just your casual Friday night dinner. This would have been, if you've ever planned a wedding for somebody, you're planned your own, I mean, if you're married, you planned your own wedding. This type of banquet would have been something that was months in the making. It would have come with great preparation and great care as you plan for this banquet, for this celebration. And so Jesus sends out his servants to say, listen, The banquet is ready. Go get all of the invited guests. And so let's see how the story begins to unfold. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now, what you would expect to see here in this part of the story is the guests that were invited all began to make arrangements to come to the party that evening. Or the guests all made plans with the babysitter and left the house and were on their way. But that's not what you see. You see that they all began to make excuses one by one. Now, oh wait, wait, shoot. Uh, e, uh, was that party tonight? 
like, that may have gone to like my junk mail and I probably missed it. I'm so sorry. Look what he says right here. It says this. The first one said this. I have bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Now this is just utterly ridiculous, especially in Jesus's time and in his culture. You would never have bought a field without going to look at it. Why? Because in first century world, the way that you made your livelihood, the way that you provided for your family, the way that you uh, 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 had an income was through what you produced in your fields. And so this man, Jesus says, bought a field without even looking at it. And Jesus is laying it on here pretty thick. And he's saying, this is utterly ridiculous. No man, no woman in the right mind would have bought a field without walking every square inch of it, looking at it, checking it, making sure it was just right to provide for him and and his family. Now, I don't even buy a 99 cent app on my phone without going and looking at all of the reviews. And this point, the point that Jesus is driving home is, this is utterly ridiculous. And Jesus wants you to know that this morning. And the next one says this, um, Still another, oh, let me back up, uh, verse 19. And another one said, hey, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way out to try them out. Please excuse me. E gosh, so sorry. Did, was that party tonight? I mean, that Christmas party was, oh man, I totally blew it. Please forgive me. And so there's another just ridiculous uh, excuse that they comes up with. He bought five oxen. Now, Here's the truth. Some of you people in here are, are pretty brave. You have bought things online without even like really checking them out before. Some of you have probably even bought like used cars on eBay or other ways. I would not, that's, that scares me to death. If I'm gonna make a big purchase, I wanna go put my hands on it and check it out and make sure it's, it drives right, it's proper, all, everything's as is. Because when you're on Craigslist and you buy something off Craigslist, you don't even know what you're getting. But yet here in this story, it says this man went to go buy oxen, or he went to go check out oxen he had already bought. Listen, pay attention. It's also at nighttime. What's he going to do? Is he going to go ride the oxen around this town at nighttime? I don't think so. That's not what's going to happen. It's another miserable excuse. And the story goes with the third one says this. Still another one said, ooh, goodness gracious, man, I totally blew it. I just got married and so I cannot come. Now, if the first two were kind of ridiculous excuses, this third one would have been offensive. It would have been pretty offensive. Imagine this, if you will. Imagine your best friend, uh, their birthday's in February, but your birthday is tonight. And your best friend in February says, oh, hey, um, guess what? I planned my birthday party on your birthday in January. You would say, oh my gosh, that's so rude. Who would ever do that type of thing? exact same thing. Back in village culture of what Jesus would have grown up in, in the context of this story, you would never, you would never throw two great big parties in the same day, let alone the same week. It would have been utterly ridiculous. And so each one of these people give Jesus this passive, aggressive response, but notice something. Notice that they, that not one of them said this word. Next slide. Maybe. No, go back, go back. No, none of them said no. Each one of them did come up with a lot of different excuses. 
None of them came out and said no. A lot, uh, no uh, they came up with excuses of why they couldn't go to the party. Have you seen this, this sweatshirt? Did y'all see this sweatshirt floating around at Christmas time? Because it made me thought about our story this morning. You, can you read what it says? Sorry I'm late. I didn't want to come. I thought, that is brilliant. How many of us could have actually used that maybe at Christmas time this year? Sorry I'm late. I didn't want to come. Because the truth is, I appreciate that more than a lot of different excuses. And what Jesus is showing us here is that these people in the story let excuses get in their way, catch this, of their yes. That they let the circumstances of life and everyday happenings get in their way of their yes back to God. Now hear, hear me say this. I don't think I'm reading into this I don't think I'm forcing this. I think I'm really just lifting this out of the scripture. And I think it's a, it's a promise for you. It's a promise from God to you. It's a principle that I think he wants you to get right now today in this very moment. And it's this principle. Arrange your life around your yes to God. Don't arrange your yes around your life. Arrange your life around your yes to God. Don't arrange your yes around your life. Do you see the distinction between the two of those? We have to say yes to God first and foremost and let everything in our life get in order. It better behave because I have already said yes to God and to what he has in store for me. When you feel that nudge, when you feel God pushing, prodding, poking you, that yes goes first and foremost. And it's like this. God, everything else in my life is on the table. I'm putting it all on the table for you. It all belongs to you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to help me sort all that stuff out. But you get my first yes. That I'm not going back on that because I say yes to you first and foremost. And so everything else in my life is gonna have to behave. It's gonna have to get in line and it's gonna have to get in order. Or... The second way, if you choose to uh, um, say yes around the schedule in your life, heads up, big surprise, it will be never. Because life is never gonna line up just perfectly for you to give God your yes. It, won't, it does not work that way. It, is, it, does not, it does not work that way. The truth is, if you wait for your life to be clean, to be simple, to be orderly, to not be in a season of transition, your yes will be taken off the table, table because of life circumstances every single time. If you let your yes be dictated by life, it will always be a no. Always be a no. That's why as what gets you out of the chair, what gets you to a place of health is to give God your first and your best yes. And you will see doors open in a way that you've never experienced before. So let's see how the story ends. Luke 14. It says this. I kind of wish it ended here, but let's look at what it says. Verse 21, it says this. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry, angry, and ordered his servant, go out quickly to the streets and to the alleys and to the towns and bring in the poor, crippled, the blind, and the lame. Or in other words, Go get everybody that's not going to come up with some lame excuse because everybody is invited. And I love the posture of this servant. Look at what it says. Verse 22. Sir, 
the servant said, what you have ordered has already been done. I love that about this servant, that he knows the heart of his master so well that he already goes and does it. And it says this, oops, turn the page. Sir, the servant said, it's already been done, but there's still room. The master told his servant, well, then go out to the roads, go out to the country lanes and compel them to come in. Listen to God's heart for you. Listen, listen to what God, how God views, views his agenda. Listen to what it says. So that my house will be full. God's is not stingy with his invitation. God's invitation is bigger than your and wider than you're comfortable with. There's always room at, at God's table, at the banquet feast for you and for everybody that you lock eyes with. That is God's heart. God's heart is that his table is full, that you and I, that all of us get to experience the master party planner and what is on his agenda for us. And I wish, honestly, as in so many of Jesus' stories, this story takes another little twist right here at the end. And I want to read to you what it says. In verse 24, it says this. I tell you, not one of these who was invited will get a taste of my banquet. Dang! I mean, Jesus just dropped the mic on them, all right? If you said no, you don't get a taste of this. You don't even get invited. You don't even get to sit down at the table. And he drops the mic and he walks away. I'm like, gosh, dang, that was pretty strong, Jesus. But, but here's what I want you to see. Now, the first time I kind of saw that, I'm like, that seems pretty harsh. From what I know about God's character and his heart, that seems pretty harsh that he's like, oh, no, 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 no. If you said no, you don't even get a taste of this. But what is it actually trying to show you? It is actually trying to show you the power of your yes. It is actually teaching you that God's plan, God longs for you, the essentialness of giving God your yes, first and best. Did you know that God, what God is looking for is for people to say yes to him? To say actually yes back to him? Because please notice it's so easy to miss in this story. These people were already invited. They, there was an invitation already sent out to them. There was an invitation already sent out to them. There was a place prepared for them. There was a meal prepared for them. There was drink bought with them in mind. There was party gifts at the end of the night that they would go home with. And yet they let life's excuses get in the way of their best. Now, Let's be honest, a lot of us, when we think about this, um, there's, there's really only a couple different options. You have yes, and then you have no. But the truth is, many of us, we, we don't, we're too polite. We're too nice. We're too Texan to say no to God. And so do you know what we say? We say this, mm, not yet. Not yet, God. Like it's not a hard no but it's just not a not yet. I'm not ready yet. Like, I, I've got to get some things in order. Like, you don't understand, like, I'm a dad. I got kids. I'm a mom. We both work out of the house. Like, it's, I'm just too busy. There's too much life going on. It's not a no, but it's, it's not a not yet. And I think what's important for us to see is that we, even the politest not yet, is still a no. 
It's still a no. And here's what I've been wondering and thinking about for us as I'm praying for you this morning. What if God's best for you is on the other side of your yes? What if God's best for you was on the other side of your yes? That God is longing for people to say yes back to him. There's a place already prepared for him are prepared for you. There's a banquet. You're invited. You're an honored guest. And what God is looking for is for people just to say yes back to him. What if God's best was on the other side of your yes? So I've shared it many times when, um, when me and Christy first got married. Uh, we had a hard uh, first couple years of marriage. And we've talked about that in here just openly many, many times. Um, uh, and during this years of it being really difficult, we were meeting with some friends that were mentoring us. And one of the things that they said to us, we were meeting on a monthly basis, a regular basis, and they said, have you all thought about counseling before? We thought, that's a good idea. We'll, we need to do that. We need to go talk to somebody about this because we're just button heads and we're not seeing eye to eye and this is not good. <coughs> that, that's a great idea. And you know what happened when we went back to see them the next month? Hey, tell us about counseling. How was it? Oh, um, shoot. Uh, yeah, so we were kind of, we think that's a great idea. We really think that would be helpful for us. We're gonna do that. You know what happened when we went back the next month after about three months? Hey, John, Christy, how was counseling? We think it's really gonna be helpful for y'all. Um, yeah, so what happened was um, uh, they, I was checking on my insurance and I was checking it. And you know what they said to us? They stopped us in the middle of all that and they said, you don't really want to be healthy, do you? And I was like, dang, that was really hard, man. Y'all really don't want to get better. Y'all really want to come and you want to gripe. And I remember thinking, gosh, dang, that's kind of rude of you. And I got offended. And you know what? You know what happened the next week? We were in counseling. Because you only have two answers. Even if it's your not yet is a polite way just to say no. It's a polite way to say no. And we are polite people. And when we let life happen and we let life get a hold of us, what we're really saying when we say, oh, not yet, we're really just saying no. Now, a couple ideas for us. Now, if we only have two different options for us to think about, what is God highlighting for you this year? How can you give God your best yes? Of all the things you can say yes to, how are you gonna give God your best yes? For example, what would happen if uh, your next best yes was about forgiveness? You only have two, two choices, right? Yes or no. Well, if you say yes, you know what's gonna happen? A door is gonna open. God, maybe there's an opportunity maybe to talk to my family again. And so you say yes. God, I'm I just trusting you. God, I believe you. I believe forgiveness is at your heart, God. So I'm trusting you with forgiveness. Maybe you can start talking to your mom again or your dad again or your kids again. And if you give God that yes, you know what's gonna happen? God will open another door and you'll start to have this tender work that's inside of you that's like, listen, I know me. I, I certainly know me. And I know what God has forgiven me of. 
And so how in the world can I hold unforgiveness towards somebody or against somebody? And so God, thank you that you've forgiven me. So I don't even have a choice. I'm gonna go ahead and forgive the next person. I mean, what if when you said yes to, God, yes to forgiveness, that it was actually possible for you to walk around not angry at your ex, that you actually could let some of that hurt and pain and, and anger go. That's what happens when you, with the power of yes. But you have another option. What if you say no? You know what's gonna happen? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. The door is closed. There's no room to work. God can't work. God can't do anything when you're like, no thanks, no time. I'm not doing it. Do you see the power of your yes? For some of us, um, maybe it's this year you've been thinking about finances and it's like, man, this, my fi- I, we, we're out of control. We spend, we, it's crazy. Maybe this is the year God wants you to get a hold of your finances. Good, awesome, do it. If you say yes, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna go out and you're gonna get a hold of your finances. You're gonna cut cards up. You're gonna get on a budget. You're gonna pay things off. And you know what happens when you say yes to that? There's gonna be another yes. And when you start getting a hold of your finances, you're gonna see, you know what? Christmas time is the best time of year. You know why it's the best time of year? Not because I get to buy junk just for all my kids, but because I get to be generous with people I don't even know and bless people because I have more money to be generous with. That's powerful. And you know what happens if I say yes to that? God begins to transform my heart in such a way that I think that my stuff and my resources isn't even mine anymore. It's all his. And so how can I take my stuff and just bless people around me with it? That's the power of a yes. Or you can say no. And you know what's gonna happen? Nothing. Nothing will change. It might be community. We beat on being known and cared for and invested in community. It's just one of the essentials around here. But you know what happens if you say yes to community? You get you get a friend. You're gonna find people that actually like, man, these people are my people. This is my crew. And when you find those people, God will take that yes and open another door. And those people, God has this funny way. When you say yes to community, that your friends actually become more than your friends. They become your family and the people that you love. And you know what happens if you say, give God that yes? You start loving people you don't even like. You start investing in people that drive you nuts that you don't even like to be around. Why? Because God has given you such a love for his family and for the body that you're willing to love just about anybody. That's powerful. Or you can say no. And you know what happens if you say no? Nothing. Nothing's gonna change. That is the power of yes in your life. God will open doors in unimaginable ways when you give God your yes. A polite, the polite way, not yet, I'm busy, I have life, is another way of just saying no. I've been here uh, 15 years on staff here at Riverside, 15 years. I came in as the student pastor uh, to Bulverde, Texas of all places, right? And 15 years ago, I said yes. And in the last 15 years, I've seen students fall in love with Jesus. I've seen, I've taken kids across the world on mission trips. I've seen kids uh, go full-time into mission work. I've seen kids, I've had the privilege of marrying kids that if you could 
If you could see their love story that God wrote in the relationship, it's remarkable. I've had the privilege of marrying kids in our community. Then, as things change, I get the privilege of being here and getting to experience a front row seat for you guys. And you know what's crazy about all this? The people I love the most in this world are all in this room. And the people that I wanna give my life towards are you. Everything I care about the most is right here. But I never could have seen that way back here. I had to give God my first yes. Maggie, we turn that off. <laughs> That's my child, sorry. <laughs> I never could have seen that back here. Baby girl. Oh, well, sorry, it's not Maggie. I'm calling out somebody else's kid. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a moment. So let's go back to it. So I never would have known that just by saying yes 15 years ago. You will never know the impact of your yes and the destinations that it will take you. What if God's best for you is on the other side of your yes? What if God's best for you is on the other side of yes? That you will never get to this place over here unless you don't say yes way back there. What if today's not yet is tomorrow's regret? What is it? Let's bring it home. What is it right now that God is stirring up in you that, that maybe you know you have needed to say yes for a really long time and you, you haven't told God no because you're not rude and you're really a polite person and so you said, not yet, not yet, not yet, God. What is it that God, maybe even as I'm talking this morning, you're like, gosh, I hope he's not talking about that thing in my life. Maybe I'm talking about that thing in your life. Maybe that's the exact thing this morning that God wants you to say yes to. Can you imagine, can you just imagine the potential of what your yes could say? What your yes could do in your life? What your yes in God's hand has the potential to do? Here, I'm a, I'm a person that, I, I'm really simple. I'm not, I'm not super theologically deep, and, but I'm a very simple person and my prayer is always the same thing. God, would I be a person that says yes to you? Whatever that is. I just wanna be a yes man. I wanna be yes, God, whatever you have in store. I don't see it. I'm not experiencing it right now. I don't know how you're even gonna work it out. But if you're calling, I'm gonna say yes no matter what. Like, don't you want that to be true for us as well? That we are a community that says, yes, God, I don't see it. I may not be an experience in it, but God, you get my yes. What is it real honestly and vulnerably right now? What is it right now where you need to say yes back to God's invitation? Watch what he can do. Watch the potential that will unfold in your life as you give God your first and your next best yes. Let's do this together. Will you close your eyes and maybe just turn your palms up like in that posture kind of of, of receiving. And let's take a moment just to pray. 
God, we are yes people. God, you get our yes. Right here, right now, with a heart full of courage, not in my circumstances, not in my abilities, not in my talents, not in my own will, but I find courage in you, I give you my yes. And so God, I receive that yes right now. Whatever has been stirring up in you right now, just give it to him. Say yes. Watch what he can do with the potential of yes in his hands. So God, we give you our yes right now, right here. God, would you unlock doors that we thought may have been closed for years, for decades. May we find your best on the other side of our yes. God, thank you that your desire is to be the master party thrower. It's a banquet. It's a celebration of the good life. And we find that when we say yes to you. So God, it's yours right here, right now, in this very moment. You have my yes. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you empower? Would you steady? Would you sure up? God, any areas of our lives that feel shaky, weak, vulnerable. May we find our stress and our strength by resting in you. Would you empower us to give you the yes, yeses in our lives?